Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on Bard Times. Brought to you by Royal Holloway's Shakespeare Society. You've joined me, Cassie Dixon. And me, Jack Hardman, as we bear some Bardy truths. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bard Times. Uh, I'm not Jack Hardman and surprisingly I'm not Cassie Dixon either. This week I'm Subhan Hay and I'm here with Azan Ahmed who is an alumni of Royal Holloway. Let me give you a quick introduction. Azan is an actor and a poet who graduated from Royal Holloway in 2018 uh, after studying English and drama. His poetry explores navigating cultural identity. As a poet, he is currently part of the writing room with Apples and Snakes. He's worked with Good Chance Theatre, the BBC's Words First scheme, and was a finalist in the 2020 Roundhouse Poetry Slam. As an actor, he has performed at the Omega Theatre, New Diorama Theatre, and is due to appear in Jack Absolute Flies again at the National Theatre. That's quite the CV, Azan. How are you doing? <laughs> nah, cheers, man. Nah, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I'm just going to say personally, it, it, it meant a lot when I when I discovered that you went to Royal Holloway. Someone of the similar background to me, similar interests, similar aspirations and all that sort of thing. So I, I instantly wanted to do a podcast with you. So thanks for thanks for being here, man. Of course, we're happy to be here, man. Had to connect with you, man. Come on, there's not, unfortunately, not a lot of people that look like us doing, doing what we do, especially at Royal Holloway. So hopefully that will change. Uh, but before we get on to like uni life and all that sort of thing, I want to ask you what your experience was in GCSE and A level. So um, what was it like for you studying Shakespeare in GCSE, or if you studied it in A level as well? Yeah. Um, well, you asked me to go back now. This is about six, seven <laughs> years ago, um, okay. which obviously isn't that long ago. But um, I think first off, the first thing that I think I need to recognize is that my um, educational experience was maybe a bit different. So I grew up in in London, in northwest London, in like comprehensive schools, um, you know, the normal until year nine. And then my family and I, moved to Qatar um, okay. to Doha when I was 14 so I did GCSEs and A-levels over there in a British international school so it's like same same but different you know but there's there's more money in the schools over there so I, I gotta just acknowledge that sort of that privilege that came with that and I think for me that, that just made it so like I don't know we, we had more books I guess available to us or we didn't have to rent it out from the library like we could just they gave us the books kind of thing you know what, from when I was thinking about it, I just remember all the the films that we watched. We just watched bare, like, like I'm talking like old school, like 1970s Macbeth. I think the BBC did a production or a, a film of it. David Tennant's Hamlet, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, that long, long three hour, four hour one. And that helped. So, so yeah, I always liked English, you know, I always gravitated towards that. I've always looked at Shakespeare with the duality of written text as well as performance. I think watching those those films helped because I'm a visual learner and I got to see both those things at play. We got to understand and analyze the text and then I got to see the films and see how different man interpreted it. Okay, I mean, that's quite interesting because um, that from hearing what that was like in Qatar because while we were in Britain here, we were encouraged to watch the adaptations. It wasn't a requirement, but rather we were more encouraged to just read it. I remember when I was studying Macbeth, which was my first 
experience with Shakespeare um, with an exam because we studied it in year seven as well. We were told um, in the summer break between year 10 and year 11, we were told just read Macbeth before you get into year 11. Uh, never, it was implied, of course, to watch it, watch it, but we were never told. So it's quite interesting that you were explicitly, you know, made to watch films in in um, in your time in Qatar. But here's the interesting thing that I talked about in my academic discussion: that all these adaptations that were shown, uh, Kenneth Branagh, David Tennant, all all of them, as good as they are, they only represent one demographic. Whereas there's many different adaptations, like in Indian cinema, as Heather and Macbool and all that. So I personally feel that if People from our background were, you know, told that these films exist as well. There'd be more of us in this um, industry, and there'd be more of us who are interested in um, Shakespeare. Um, you know, as things are going for for the black community with um, Papa Sidhu's, um adaptation of Hamlet, for example. Um, for sure, man. I mean, yeah, I only I only knew what Heather was because in my A level English lit class, uh, this Pakistani girl in the class was she she talked about it. Okay. You know? Um, okay. And that—that's what put me on. I would have never known it existed, and yeah, I love it. It's, yeah, I think maybe my teachers were just trying to <laughs> make their lessons easy by watching, making us watch three-hour films over three lessons. You know what I mean? I, I did school in Qatar, but it was a British school. I did GCSEs, I did A levels, the same. You guys would do them here. I just did it in fifty-degree heat, basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What would you change? about the education system because now you're saying that it's the it was british so it's pretty much what we did yeah yeah it was the yeah. same you know same same exam criteria same like edxl aqa that sort of stuff yeah. um oh, okay, just triggered saying those words again um <laughs> what would i change i do you know what with shakespeare specifically i would mm -hmm. make it seem like less of a mountain and it sounded like even more of a mountain for you guys because if, someone, if I was 15, 16 and someone told me to read this book over the summer, I'd tell them to go do one, man. Like, But what I would change, yeah, man, make it seem less of a mountain. Because you get this book, right? And the footnotes and annotations are bloody longer than the verse itself uh -huh. on, the, on yeah, this yeah. page. And it's just like, how do I tackle this? And I think maybe it's because I'm a performer as well, but it, all of Shakespeare's stuff, the plays are meant to be performed. So more of that even in the English class setting, you know, I think the main thing is we, we've got to make it make sense for you. That's totally it, you know, and we can look at, I think it's a two-part thing. We can look at this text analytically and try and understand, but then when you embody that text, you know, when you submit to the feelings and the imagery and that's there and let that transform you, that's when you find out what Shakespeare can mean to you any teacher now GCSE or A level who's not talking about like performance histories of Shakespeare mm -hmm. is missing a trick like Papa Sedu's Hamlet massive things you know what I mean like any teacher who's not talking about that because that's what makes it make it can make it make sense for people or yeah. something like David Tennant's Hamlet contemporizes everything like I, at school I didn't know uh, the Globe or the RSC were still doing shows. I thought they were just things that happened and they were just museums now, you know? And maybe that's because I was 4,000 miles away, but, like, th just the way that they were talked about was just these things that happened. But in actual fact, you've got 
Papa said he was Hamlet. You've got Bally Gill as Romeo, British Indian South Asian man from Coventry, played mm-hmm. Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. You know, like if we learn about that, it just makes makes it feel more accessible. Yeah, exactly. And I get your point about making it a mountain because, like, personally, not even Shakespeare. Like anything I'm reading right now, like say I'm reading like Aristotle or Plato or a Socratic dialogue. I want to get into it and I want to get straight into the dialogue and read the script kind of thing. But I'm always like the introductions of the books. It feels like a punch to the face where you have to go through this introduction and all these things. I think children should be introduced to the thing itself first and then look at the analytic thing. I think that's what you were trying to say. Yeah, man. Yeah, you you just said it in way less words, which I'm glad about. Um, one other <laughs> thing cool, I think yeah. as well, like I was listening to a podcast recently this actor michael michael balligan i think he's he's got an amazing story man one that i can't do justice by speaking up on he was recently uh, on a show at the national a one-man show death of england part two but he did this podcast episode way before that and he was talking about his auditions and he, he went to rada and he was working with this director and he's um he was working on this henry v speech and he just couldn't get into it right and then his director was like he just broke it down for him and then Michael the actor went oh he's just trying to rally up the mandem that's how it made sense to him yeah. and he approached it with that stroke and then everything changed and it's the same thing like I'm trying to learn a self tape right now for an audition yeah it's like this this soldier um, and it's a lot of technical language about uh, like a submarine and he's all like ending every line with sir the same way Shakespeare, you'd end lines with Syrah or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is a bit, mm. this different formulation of language is not what I'm used to. But then I thought, okay, really these two people are just trying to suss each other out. So how would I, how would that happen if it was on ends? And that's it. Like trying to fit, once I'd started doing that and saying it like I would say it just down the road, the lines started making more sense. That makes sense, though. It's important to do that first and then go back to what it actually is in the text and then perform it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea for how they should teach. Um, I know a few teachers who have done that, uh, not personally, but like, like there are, um, I, I forgot what it's called, but there's a YouTube channel, some ghetto Shakespeare or something like that, who he does a, a similar thing that to what you were saying. So I assume you were part of the Shakespeare Society at Royal Holloway in some way. Yeah, um, I was. It took me a while to finally buy my membership. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, I was in second year. So in my second year, that's 2017. I was yeah, yeah. lucky enough to be in Richard Third. We did a production of that directed by Dan Jones. He's a sick guy. Um, oh yeah, he was in our alumni events. Yes, yes. Was he? Oh man. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's great, man. He's great. Um, and yeah, I was really lucky. I played... I played Buckingham, uh-huh. um, so he's like Richard's right-hand man, and yeah, it was a fun time, man. I, I wish I did more Shakespeare sock, but at the time, I just still didn't really feel like Shakespeare was was for me. I mean, it is quite hard for you know, for obviously for people like us to get into it because of all these challenges we've just mentioned and these solutions that we've proposed. So hopefully, if people listen to us, uh, it will be easier for people in the future. But I, I, I think you. You, uh, do you agree with me when I say that you know it's something that people should make an effort to get people into 
Yeah, I mean, you know, society's point blank should just be really welcoming and inclusive. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think the Royal Rojo Performing Arts Societies, the ones I encountered, really were. Um, yeah. I think it always just depends on the people, you know, it, the yeah. team that's leading that show and who welcomes you. I, I just remember when I got accepted on into Rojo, like a couple months before then, I just started seeing on the Facebook pages all these all this stuff about the drama productions. And instantly that creates a welcoming tone. I think for me it was, when I was at Royal Holloway, it was less of people being the barriers and just like, I was the only brown person in my year um, yeah. in drama. And then on top of that, you know, I didn't go to theater school after school. I, you know, I only did drama at school. Whereas a lot of these people around me were in theater school from, you know, the womb and we're just doing yeah. <laughs> extracurricular yeah, yeah. stuff from day one so all of that stuff just i just felt way behind you know stuff like shakespeare sock stuff like people taking a chance on you because of your 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 raw uh instinct we need more of that yeah yeah no i honestly bro i feel everything you're saying right now um you know the stuff about how welcoming people are but there's still that feeling of oh i'm the only one who's doing this right now so I feel all that. Um, so I want to ask you, now that you've graduated, there's any way that Shakespeare Society has helped you later on in life? Um, well, I mean, it gave me a housemate. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's cool. Like, so yeah, we did We did um, Richard III in the second year and then I mm-hmm. met uh, Barney, Barney Nunn, who is also in the show. Okay. Um, and then the next year, we ended up living together for third year. And he's amazing. He's sick. I think, because that Richard III was the first time I ever did a Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. Like, ever. I did, like, a monologue here and there way back when. But it was the first time I did that. And I uh-huh. was ex- exposed to the different ways you could interpret stuff. And, and, and watching actors, you know, do the work yeah. was great. And I always felt from that from that show, there was something about doing Shakespeare that maybe I felt I needed to come back to at some point. And, and, and that's actually happening now. It's weird we're doing this podcast right now. Call it fake, call it whatever. Like I literally just bought the Shakespeare's Complete Works because I wanted to read it. You know, I was mm-hmm. really lucky this time last year in lockdown you know, talking about the impact of Shakespeare, I was I spent a lot of Zoom time with um, a friend of mine, Bally Gill, who I mentioned before, who played Romeo at, mm-hmm. in the RSC. You know, he was in Romeo, he was in Macbeth, he was, he's had different roles, all Shakespeare. And he was saying how, like, Shakespeare has written every character type there is. So when you understand them, it unlocks certain stuff for you as an actor. And I was like, okay... I need to do that. So, and that wouldn't have happened without this sort of first spark of Shakespeare sock. And now, like, I'm I'm reading Romeo and Juliet, and I think what Shakespeare's helping me to do now as an actor is understanding the power of subtext. Because, like we were saying before, right, you've got this mountain of, of unusual language in the text. You're not used to speaking like that. Yeah. So then it forces you to engage with the unseen what do they actually mean this is just nerdy actor talk now but like as an actor you need that you know 
because then that just strengthens and deepens what you're offering it's not surface level anymore because you have to go deep and then as a writer I mean I wasn't doing any sort of poetry when I was in Shakespeare sock and now reading Shakespeare now it's like his wordplay is insane bro I know yeah it's good it, you learn more and more more you read it my man could have won a Lord of the Mics clash like <laughs> for real it's just the way the repetition all that sort of stuff so all of this stuff that I'm talking about now started off with Shakespeare sock you know a combination of yeah. Shakespeare sock and doing Shakespeare at uni like I did specific courses on it um, helped plant that seed that I wasn't ready to I wasn't bothered to tackle back then but I am now alright that, that, that's a great answer man um, so the last question about education on Shakespeare that's all I wanted to ask is that you know we're from Pakistan slash India and you know I think we've had some great adaptations so is there any I think you mentioned Hayler because one of your classmates talked about it is there any that you have watched and that you really liked? But you know, I'm really bad. I've only seen Heather. Heather is, I think, personally, the one of... Yeah, it is the best. It is the best. So I think that's a good pick to if, you're, if you're only going to watch one. Yeah, I know. I really want to watch like Omkara and obviously Makbul. Is, I think Makbul, it's got Irfan, Irfan Khan in it. Yeah, yeah. The, the late, great Irfan Khan. Um, I really, really love 95% of Heather. I think Shahid Kapoor... So for anyone that doesn't know, Heather is um, a Hamlet adaptation. Uh, and it's set, I think, in 90s Pakistan slash India. Um, Kashmir. Kashmir, yes, sorry, it is Kashmir. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kashmir disputed territory between Pakistan and India. There's been, you know, decades of sort of political campaigns and, and, and fights and war and, and dodgy tactics in that region. Yeah. And, and my dad's side is actually from Kashmir. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've, I've never been, unfortunately. I've been to Pakistan, but not that area. Okay. And it's also really important to mention, yes, there's fights going on there. Yes, there's you know people getting killed, electricity being cut off, um, dodgy stuff from all angles. But it is one of the most beautiful natural places on this earth. Mm. Like, if you're, if if anyone is listening to this, um, do yourself a favor and Google Kashmir right now, yeah. because the the lakes, the mountains, the valleys is unreal, man. Yeah, and I, I agree. Th- yeah, yeah. We have to talk about that stuff, right? But yeah, Heder is um is an adaptation of Hamlet that's set in Kashmir in the nineties, and it's brilliant. Like Shahid Kapoor, who plays Heder, so Heder is Hamlet. Um, yeah. Is phenomenal in that man, and I think it just did things for me, where stuff made sense, right? So, in Bollywood, you have this tradition where they have songs throughout the, yeah, the film, yeah. and then in Hamlet, you have the dumb show, right? When all the yeah. actors mousetrap, I think, yeah, yeah, when they do that. So then, what these guys did is that they made the dumb show into one of the songs. And I'm still blown away. Like, that is just such a G move, man. Like, you've not shoehorned one thing. You've not sacrificed one thing. You've blended it. So good. And I say 95% I like because at the end, everything goes a bit expendables and, you know, people, yeah. body parts start flying off, which, you know, you need for entertainment. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the most gruesome, like, 
ending of Hamlet that I've ever seen. I think that there ever is. But I think uh, I think people are going to listen to you and me when I say that watch it because we've just finished. Uh, we just wrapped up on our online adaptation of Hamlet, and we're editing it right now. So I think it'll be a treat for the people who were in it to just check it out and see how they handled it because we've filmed it in in unforeseen circumstances as well. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. You, you've seen a few of the adaptations, right? What's your favorite one? Oh, my favorite. You know, I'm gonna have to say Heather is the best, but I, there's something about Omkara that I really like. The one that's really hard to find because, like you said, that you know how Heather um, takes Bollywood and does what stereotypically Bollywood does and makes it make sense. Omkara, on the other hand, does Bollywood things over the top, but it's like. It still makes sense, but it's way more over the top than Heather, and it's just <laughs> like there's like an item number song in it, like you know how Indians love oh, item wow. number songs, yeah, yeah, and it still makes sense in the narrative, and yeah, Amkara was good because it it's the first um, Bollywood film with swear words in it with Indian swear words. Oh now, really? Like, literally, yeah, yeah. Literally every Indian show and film now has swear words, but that was the one that started it in two thousand six seven. Oh wow, I didn't know that. And Amkara so, so, is. An adaptation of Othello. Othello, and and it introduced me to Othello because I'd never never studied it, never uh, I'd heard of it obviously, but I'd never like read it. But I watched Omkara first, got the gist of it, and then I went to reading Othello. Yeah, I so see. That so helped me to understand it. Yeah, that that visual learning is so important, man. I feel. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, I want to ask you now about your because you're on, you're working in the industry as an actor, um, right? Um, yeah. Did you always know what you wanted to do? Or if not, you know, what did you want to do before and what changed your mind? Oof. Did I always... <laughs> Sorry, the big questions, man. No, that's, a big, that's a big question. Um, you know what? I think in my heart of hearts, I I kind of knew I wanted to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a really shy kid when I was young. So, like, I never really said those words out loud. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, feel got, that, I, feel that. I got into acting off of a dare. Um, in year seven so you know how in year seven you do like your form does plays and stuff yeah um, yeah well, we, we did that like short plays and my my form was doing a play called Bill's New Frock and okay. it's about this guy Bill who wakes up as a girl he wakes up as Belinda just because and then he has to just live his day like that very progressive for 20 2010 um uh-huh. But yeah, and then so the drama teacher was like, "Are the boys in the class who wouldn't mind playing a girl?" And then one of my mates at the time turned to me. He was like, "I bet you fifty p you won't put your hand up." Fifty p. Listen. I mean, inflation, sure, but yeah. Fifty p could buy you a ka and a Freddo. Yeah, yeah. There's no I joking guess, yeah, about yeah. fifty p, man. So I was like, "Yeah, of course, bro. He's not going to pick me. He's going to pick all these other men that always put their hand up." And then I got picked. Yeah. Were you the only one with your hand up? Uh, no, no, there was three of us who picked me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, that's how like I got into it. Uh-huh. But then, but then you know what? I think you know. Do I? Did I always know what I wanted to do? And my parents were they obviously cottoned on that I liked doing drama because uh, uh-huh. I just did it at school and they were supportive and yeah they, they loved it. When I went into uni, mm-hmm. I was like cool I'm going to do this degree and I'm probably going to work in advertising afterwards because um, it's a bit creative but it's not that boring 
And then there was a specific moment where it changed for me, where I knew that acting was, was it. It was a recall for a drama society play, A View From The Bridge. And we were doing that the round robin, so you know, two of us would jump in, do a scene. And I was watching two of the third years do a scene and just the energy that they were bringing. I in just instantly, man, I don't know, sounds corny, but I just knew that I would be chasing this feeling for the rest of my life. Like it was yeah. just so sick. Yeah, and then not look back since. That's quite the answer, man. Um, all right, so then I'm just going to ask, you know, what have you been up to since you've left Royal Holloway? What are you okay with sharing? Because I know a lot, but... You know, I'd like the people who are listening to know as well. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I think, yeah, I've been, I've been lucky to, I've been really blessed to be busy and, and be in the right rooms at the right time. So mm. since I left uni, first of all, I worked as a marketing assistant in a theatre. That's oh. what really kicked it off for me. Um, not because I was a marketing assistant, but it just, I was able to understand how theatre works. Oh. Um but yeah, so after that, I was part of the Almeida's Young Company, um, uh-huh. nine-month free program where we just make a show and you get to act every week. Um, so I was part of that. And then mm-hmm. I've done, yeah, plays at the Edinburgh Fringe and the New Diorama Theatre. Yeah. And I did a bit of TV, did an episode of, of Doctors on BBC. Probably everyone's aunties or mums watch that. No one I know watches <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> Uh, recently, recently, I yeah did a little scene in a film that's coming out next year, and mm-hmm. obviously the biggest thing I think for me outside of acting has been I started writing poetry. Um, yeah, definitely. Which you know is in <laughs> runs in line with our man Willie Shakes. <laughs> and you've got me into it as well, bro. Um, I'm trying to do some writing as well, like after your session that you ran. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, so poetry's been a big thing for me. It's just kept me busy and, you know, in between the creative, the, the acting gigs, just keeping creative like that has been great. And that's yeah. opened doors, you know, work with the Roundhouse. And, yeah, coming up, so literally next week, I'll be filming uh, some more TV. I'll be filming in Belfast. Um, uh-huh. A new series called Hope Street. It's Hope about Street. this this British Muslim female police officer who gets transferred to Belfast um, and then I play her disgruntled ex who tracks her down. Uh-huh. I mean, that sounds so cool. I can't wait to watch that, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. But yeah, it's, it's been been blessed, you know. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the one thing, I think the one big thing that we have in common, like other than our interest and our background, is I didn't put this in the notes, so it might be a surprise to you, but our love for... Riz Ahmed <laughs> with the, the, the talk that I did and I was talking to him a lot and it just came to my mind I just wanted to ask you because you've said a lot of stuff to me but I want to get it all recorded down like what does he mean to you like you know what has he done that's shaped the way that your life is going right now and you want to get it recorded so you can expose me yeah that's, <laughs> what, that's it I'm exposing myself as well in a minute don't okay I'm, I'm glad I'm glad yeah. um Yo, Riz, man, Riz is the guy for me. I think a lot of people I've that I've met, a lot of actors have their their person, you know. Um, a friend of mine, for his person is Philip Seymour Hoffman. He loves him. And for me at the moment, it's Riz. To put it plainly, you know, he, he Riz Ahmed had written an essay, I think in 2016, 
um, as part of this book called The Good Immigrant, a phenomenal book about, about British experience, uh, ethnic minorities slash global majority, um, people in Britain, it's a collection of their stories. And Riz's essay is all about, it's called Airports and Auditions, right? And I won't give too much away because everyone should read it, buy the book or find the article online. It's just, I read that after first year and I'd just done a show at the Edinburgh Fringe with uni people. I just wasn't sure about this acting thing, you know, it was fun and I just thought it was something fun I might have done at uni. And I wanted to do it for real, but you just don't know, right? I read that essay and I just suddenly didn't feel like a conspiracy theorist anymore. Like this guy was talking about stuff that I felt as a British Pakistani creative person. And he put it in very simple, but very eloquent words. And mm. it was just like, I just felt super seen. And it's, the, mm. it's ironic because he talked about in that essay and in his wider stuff, like the power of representation. Uh-huh. And I felt so represented reading that article, you know, and yeah, he just made it make sense. I think that's the biggest thing, making it make sense. And then, you know, going backtracking a little bit about the adaptations as well, Eastern Shakespeare adaptations. Yeah. There's is realizing what Riz does for me, right, is making me realize that we have people like us, people who look like us, and anyone has their whole selves to offer yeah and that is enough you don't have to morph and mold your whole self is enough and in the same way with these shakespearean adaptations right like our cultures pakistani culture indian culture south asian culture um is so so rich you know we have mughal empires uh we we have the best poets the world has ever seen i'm not talking about myself defo not (laughs) Um, you know, you are great though, honestly, bro. You are I great. Appreciate that, man. But yeah, not compared to you know some of these guys. Um, yeah, these you know the empires, the poets, the the way it's Islam intersects the colors and our love for dance and food. You know, there's so much to offer there that it can only yeah. ever elevate Shakespeare's words. Yeah, you know, and I think the same way. Riz made me realize that like my own experiences can only ever elevate and and complement what the text is giving me. It's a two-way thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I that's a long answer but he just m- made me feel really seen, man, Riz Ahmed and he's just a sick guy. Yeah, yeah. Um and my answer would be similar. Um, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot. People are probably so fed up of me hearing hearing me talk about him, but you know, I'm I'm always finding something new. Like I'm going through his albums all the time. He's like, I every month I make a new playlist for my uh, for the month, and um, every month you, you, it's not that you have one track. You have the whole album at least on the on the playlist, and I'm finding new things like listening, and I get something new from it every time. And yeah, like he's made me open up and explore. Like as a kid, you know, um, I'd have the things that I'd like, you know, stuff like Doctor Who and all that thing. And then my parents would have the stuff that they'd like, and we'd never really mix. They, it, it, this was a cool, this was a calm thing. It wasn't something 
violent or a big deal it was just like they had their thing i had my thing and we'd never really explore each other's things but as i got older my parents would be willing to explore my stuff but i just never want to explore their thing because that's their thing isn't it like koali aziz mia that sort of thing but now that i'm going getting older and ever since i discovered riz ahmed he's pushed me to like and i'm i'm saying this as if i met him but like he's pushed me to like no go back to your roots see what what you are and it's made me realize you know how much Shakespeare can enrich that, and vice versa. Mm. So yeah, and that's it. In a way, I mean, this podcast episode could just be two dudes who love Riz Ahmed, but it's <laughs> like it's the, it's what it means, you know. And I think yeah. people need to understand this. You know, when we stand yeah. certain people, I've got friends who stand Beyonce like there's no tomorrow, um, uh-huh. and people who stand, you know, Stormzy or Kano, and and it's just understanding and recognizing the power that representation has especially yeah. you know you go royal holloway and it's great and you know hope it is changing i think uh, but you need to recognize the power that this representation has and and mm. it starts small man if you're a uni student and you're doing shows i'm not saying you have to make everyone in your you have to make a black hamlet and you're some white middle class young person you know what i mean but you have to you have to be inclusive from the start because it matters and too. Yeah, I have to say, like, you know, I'm not being it up just because I'm part of it. Like, I say this, uh, that I'm the first year rep and I only joined because of how inclusive everyone was. So big up to all the people in Shakespeare Sock, um, the president, education sock, secretary, the social sector, everyone. You know, they made me feel so welcome. And I just want to put this in. The reason I talk about Riz so much is because He's the reason I joined, um, I wanted to join the Shakespeare Sock. He's the reason I uh, sought out a Shakespeare Sock because um, while he did study at Oxford, after that he did a master's at um, Royal School of Speech and Drama and he did classical acting. So that's Shakespeare and that sort of thing. So obviously, I think I we're both trying to follow in his footsteps. So I think that's why I'm trying to get into Shakespeare and acting and that sort of thing yeah following the footsteps this is something we've talked about as well like yeah. you have following the footsteps and then when I was at uni lord knows bro I just yeah you know anything that Riz did I was like cool okay I can go this avenue then because Riz has done it um, and this can apply to anyone who's inspired by someone but there comes a point where following in the footsteps just won't serve you anymore mm-hmm. you know what I mean like this is you got to carve your own path. What does Subhan want to do? What serves Subhan that yeah, that yeah. Riz might not like, no, or Riz might not do. You know, yeah. so it's yeah, taking that inspo and then running with it. We're really good at kids with you know, as kids, we take ideas and we run with them to mm. the moon. Yeah, yeah. So it shouldn't be too different when we when we get older. Yeah, some really good advice, bro. Thanks for that. Yeah, I I don't have anything else to ask. And I guess that's the end of the podcast then. Um, Azan, thank you so much for coming. And I wish you good luck for all the things you're going to film. And I hope you get more opportunities uh, to do a lot of acting and everything and your poetry as well. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. And um, yeah, for all your kind words. And listen, man, you are just at the beginning of your journey. I can't wait to see what happens, my guy. This has been your host, Subhan Hay, and in the words of Shakespeare, Villain, I have done thy mother.